Hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Did you know people that listen to the Dynasty Crossroads Show are 20% more likely to be happy? Probably, maybe. This and other maybe facts on the Dynasty Crossroads. Check it out. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. We are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan, and we have hit episode 551 of the pod, the wildcard edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. And Matt, the football was pretty good on wildcard Saturday and Sunday, at least. Yeah, I mean, it was it was up and down. We saw a lot of reasons why we shouldn't have a seventh team in the playoffs. So I think we it's pretty clear that we don't have seven good teams in each uh, conference. Um, but you know, we it, we had games that that looked like they were going to be nothings, like just complete blowouts, and then the other team came back. Specifically, thinking about uh, Los Angeles Chargers going to Jacksonville, like that just seemed like the Chargers were rolling. They've arrived. Uh, and then they charged themselves again, Dan. And it uh, sounds like you did pretty well uh, capitalizing on that. Uh, I definitely did not. I thought the Chargers had that one in the bag. Yeah, I thought I, – I always kind of think the Chargers are going to charge her. And I think the Chargers, Ryan, might have charged up the whole head coach situation by, by the way the news is rolling out of Los Angeles on Monday here. Um, maybe Staley will be back to go forward on fourth down some more and stuff. Uh, I, I kind of hope not, uh, but, but we'll find out, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was, he kind of felt like, uh, Brandon Staley kind of felt like he was already on the hot seat with the playing, playing as starters in the final week of the season when it didn't matter, Mike Williams getting hurt, all of that. Um, and really just kind of a, a disappointing season in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, even when they were up 27, zero, it's of course easy to say this now, but it did not feel like that lead was safe with uh, with that Chargers team uh, because they just do it all the time. Every year, it seems like uh, they, they find a way to disappoint, and it was, it was in grand fashion this time. Yeah, it certainly was. Speaking of disappointments, the Vikings kind of ended their season in a unique way. They hadn't lost a game like that all year long, and then Kirk Cousins throws a three-yard pass on fourth and eight. Uh, I didn't like his explanation either. He thought he was going to get sacked. I'm, holy cow, we got to do better than that, right? Uh, but overall, I really did think the football was pretty good. I talked to you, Ryan, and, oh, yeah. and you were saying that um, that San Francisco game, we got, a, we got a battle from Seattle for the first half, so it felt like a game, but you really saw the 49ers, the real 49ers in the second half. They put them away, and they look like just a terror in the NFC right now. Yeah, they really do. And and back to what Matt said earlier, I, I totally agree with that. We not only do we not have seven good teams in each conference, I'm not sure we have more than uh, more than two or three. Uh, so it, that game was was a fun one because it was close early, looked like it was going to be a, a real battle. And, and then we saw the Niners flex their muscles and and show why. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the odds. They feel like the favorites, even though they're not the number one seed in the NFC they they feel like the favorites to be playing in the Super Bowl here in a few weeks and uh yeah certainly 
clicking in, in every way you can and a, a dominant defense, a dominant offense, just, just a fun team to watch. And, and the Brock Purdy story is a fun one to follow too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I wanted to bring it up. Purdy was unbelievable on Saturday through those touchdowns, had the rushing score as well. Like as far as fantasy finishes go, Matt, that is a dominant quarterback finish out of a rookie quarterback that was a late seventh round pick. This guy just just keeps kind of making you raise an eyebrow and think twice about what our thoughts of of the 49ers entire situation going into this offseason. I know their their fans are more worried about the present and trying to win a championship right now, which is possible even with a seventh round rookie. But dynasty managers are thinking about Purdy saying to themselves, maybe we have something here long-term. Yeah, I mean, if, if nothing else, he has solidified himself as a backup in the league for, for a decade, <laughs> probably at this point. Uh, I posed the question last week to you guys. I mean, what if Purdy wins the Super Bowl? Are we going to have a quarterback uh, controversy here? And you guys were pretty quick to say, like, I think it's Lance no matter what. I think that is probably still the case. But, I mean, if this guy can just execute what – uh, what Kyle Shanahan wants to do offensively and Trey Lance continues to struggle in that regard, then, I mean, maybe we have a, a, something here like a, a, I don't want to pull back to like Russell Wilson because that was a different situation when they brought over Matt Flynn from Green Bay. But, you know, the situation where you have uh, a quarterback that has doesn't have draft capital, comes in, plays better than expected, and you have the guy that has a, higher, a bigger contract or a, a or higher draft capital ahead of him, and it's a tough decision to make for an organization. So I think it's going to be really inter- interesting to see what's going on. I did receive a, a, an offer today for a third-round pick and, I don't know, like Anthony Ferkser or something for Brock Purdy, and I turned it down immediately. I feel like in a Superflex format, yeah. you, you have to get a second at the very least to even start the conversation. Um, and if he turns into a, a starter at some point, like you, even selling for a second is going to feel real bad. So uh, just be careful with your Brock Purdy shares. Don't just share them, for, sell them for nothing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like one thing we as dynasty players do uh, that it, that is a mistake is we just fall into the trap of assuming players are going to be good if they have draft capital, if they were a good college player, if they were a, a, a high dynasty rookie pick, and we just keep giving Trey Lance the benefit. <clears throat> Just keep giving Trey Lance the benefit of the doubt, and and it could still certainly work out for him, and and he could be a starting quarterback in the league for years to come. But, I mean, the 49ers have already chosen Garoppolo over Lance for one season. Um, I I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards we could at least have a quarterback controversy. The 49ers could explore a trade. And, and maybe that's really what it comes down to is sending out those those feelers. Can we get a first rounder for Trey Lance? Can we get a, a one of the first picks in the second round? And if the answer is yes, then then maybe they do something. Which, yeah, Matt, I would not have said that a week ago. I, I certainly wouldn't have said it a month. I ago. do think I do think we might be prevent. Uh, uh, presenting a little bit of a rosy picture. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything he's done is incredible. But some of those throws he made, I think we did see some chinks in the armor, some questionable decision-making. The throw down the field, uh, I forget who, I can't, can't remember who was Ayuk or, or Debo on the left-hand side that could have been closer to the sideline that he just fit it in between those two defenders that got all the praise on Twitter. Like if he had thrown it, you know, uh, to where the receiver didn't have to dive in over those two defenders, it would 
have been a touchdown. So the, the throw worked out, but like it was not like this incredible throw that everybody on Twitter was just going crazy for. So I don't think uh, I don't think he's necessarily the, the 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 savior or anything, but certainly better than anyone thought. Well, you know, it seems like we heard some some reports when Lance was drafted that. Uh, and maybe I'm remembering wrong here, but that that he wasn't necessarily a Shanahan guy, or that was more of a a owner or a front office move to to trade up, because we've seen this team go to the Super Bowl already once with Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brock Purdy sure feels a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo to me. Uh, maybe the Mac Jones rumors were were true, and if <laughs> we just oh they were just posturing. They never really wanted Mac Jones, but maybe maybe they did. Maybe, or maybe he did. He did yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Purdy, Purdy was a good college quarterback. He he went to Iowa State, so not a lot of people watched him. But Matt, you're one of these guys, just like me. We like to watch college football tape at this time of year and, and take a look at guys. And I always look at the list of of players that are expected to be drafted, and I'll check them out. And I remember seeing Purdy and thinking to myself. He is a gamer. He does everything it takes to make his team win. And I think he's playing up to the competition. He is playing as the best version of himself. And yeah, that that doesn't include a super strong arm and a guy that can fit it in between defenders all the time. He he makes he makes lollipop throws frankly on the out, on the perimeter deep down the field. And those you don't get away with very often in the NFL. He is getting away from it. These guys are schemed open. They're, they're wide open regularly. You referenced that throw, Matt. I was thinking the same thing. I saw it and thought, that could have been a touchdown yeah. if that's a real good throw. Um, but he gets the praise, and, and he deserves it. Not many quarterbacks, even first-round quarterbacks, do what he's doing right now. And he, He's been awfully impressive. The only game, and we're going to get to some Bengals-Ravens talk in a little bit, the only game we didn't touch on here, Bills-Dolphins. That was a game, Matt, yeah. that I thought... That was a lot closer than anybody expected. The Bills jumped out to the big lead, and it really felt like they were going to run away with things. The Dolphins made it close, and they were playing with another seventh-round rookie quarterback. Yeah, Skylar Thompson. I mean, I liked him. He was. I think he was. Um, I think he was Matt Waldman. Now, this is to me. This is a little bit crazy, but who am I to question Matt Waldman? But I believe uh, pre-draft, Matt Waldman had him as a, as a, one of his top quarterbacks. Uh, in his RSP. Um, and so he certainly has tools that we like. Uh, I think he has, you know, questionable decision-making at times, but he made it a game. I, I think a lot of that, them coming back, was a lot of the defensive present, presence, and he made a couple of big mistakes in that game. But for the most part, he showed, I think, that he could hang with one of the best teams in the NFL, and to me that is promising for his future. Um, I don't think he's necessarily going to, you know, enter any season as a projected starter, but as a backup fill-in guy, he's another one that I think made some money. And if he's on my dynasty team i'm happy to keep them around especially on those super flex leagues when we lose quarterbacks uh, like lamar jackson like we're going to talk a lot of those like when we lose these guys and we need someone to plug in uh skylar thompson can, can absolutely be that guy on your dynasty team yeah more of that quarterback four quarterback yeah. five on a super flex team but a guy that we're monitoring 18 to 45 220 yards and a touchdown through a couple ugly picks ryan the name i wanted to bring up to you for the for the Dolphins is Jalen Waddell. That that was a rough showing. His his worst game as a pro for sure. And it, you can blame the sunlight. You can blame all those things. But push came to shove. It was a huge game, and Jalen Waddell just just didn't get it done. 
Yeah, definitely disappointing. It it feels like he's had more of those disappointing games this season than he has, um, you know, than he had last year. So, yeah, that it, it is disappointing. And uh, for a guy that has been a, a first-round dynasty startup pick in our ADP for, for several months running now, maybe it's time we reevaluate that. Maybe we've been overvaluing him a bit. I mean, 1,300 yards across from Tyreek Hill this season, that's – I, I don't know. I mean, he had a disappointing game, but I don't know. Less uh, less receptions, 29 less receptions, 300-plus more yards, uh, 18.1 yards per reception, led the league, I believe, in that category. So, I, I mean, it was, it was definitely disappointing to see those drops, but I don't think I'm letting that affect my rankings. Six times this year he finished outside the top 36 in wide receivers. And I, I know he he had to play with – some questionable quarterback play. You know, we, we praise Skylar Thompson a little bit, but let's face it. He's a third string quarterback for a reason. And these receivers weren't playing in the same offense in the second half of the season than they were when Tua was, was playing. Even with that said though, early in the season, he had a real big dud against the jets ended up as a wide receiver 76 in that game, had a wide receiver 99 finish against the 49ers where he had five targets. I believe he had a bad drop in that game as well. A wide receiver 69 finish. Uh, finished things up with a couple wide receiver 37 finishes as well. So while we get that elite upside, those those wide receiver one overall games are possible with Jalen Waddle, and we've seen that. Yeah. In fact, he had a handful of those uh, top 12 finishes this year. He also has the has the potential to goose for you, and, and seeing like, Three catches for 23 yards isn't all that uncommon for him at this point. I'm a massive Waddle fan. I just I think we got to get used to the the hills and the valleys with his performance. Well, that, that that's the thing that's changed from last season, right? Last season we saw him used on these short intermediate crossers. A lot of the stuff that Tyree Kill has gotten um, this season, and then they opened it up and just made him that vertical threat that we saw from from college. So I think when you make that change, you're going to see that kind of volatility in those performances. So uh, if you're not getting that extreme high volume like he was last year, I think those you're going to get some of those dead games. On the Bills side yeah, of the ball. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say that was, that was kind of my point. You made it certainly better than I did, uh, Dan. Six overall in our ADP right now. You, you drop down to the second round and you see wide receivers, uh, whether you want to build young, Garrett Wilson at 14, Alave at 19, uh, even even Devonte Smith at twenty three. If you want to chase a veteran and that safe production, Diggs at fifteen, um, and, and then Adam, uh, yeah, Devonte Adams at twenty two. So, just feels like you can get that some similar production at a cheaper price uh, rather than spending that mid first round pick on him. But what are you going to uh, buy instead? The Bills. What are you going to buy instead, though, in that range? Is, is I guess is my question. Like, we don't like the running backs in that range. Like, it's not super flex. Am I taking a quarterback? Probably not. Am I taking an old tight end? St. Brown. St. Brown is okay. who I would take there. Yeah, instead. that's the pivot, most likely. Okay. Uh, the Bills, final team we should touch on here real quickly. If there was a performance that caught the eye of Dynasty managers, it's got to be Gabe Davis again, right, guys? It, I mean, his name keeps popping up as Playoff as a guy game. who's disappointing and, and a guy who makes mistakes even. But wild card weekend, he comes through. Six catches, 113 yards, caught the touchdown, tapped the toes, which is he's been criticized of, of uh, field awareness in the past. 
that was a real nice catch and something that we don't always see from Gabe Davis. Ryan, you and I talked about him over the weekend and how his his roller coaster finishes that range from wide receiver one overall all the way into the 60s, 70s, and 80s in a particular week, that's maddening for dynasty managers. But when he hits, he seems to really hit. Yeah, he, he really does. And and that uh, lately that seems to be coming at, at the playoff time, right? Yeah. I mean, th- that's when he, he had definitely a couple of big games last year that uh, really changed the way we looked at him uh, throughout the offseason. Uh, ended up as a uh, third, fourth, fifth-round pick in both startups and in, uh, in many redraft leagues as a result of that performance in, in the playoffs. And uh, after what was – honestly just a frustrating year if you had him on your roster and uh and you had to decide when to start him each week he might be doing the same thing again building up that uh that hype and and building up expectations with these big performances so we got a lot to cover here on this week's show we got we got a strategy conversation that's going to be a lot of fun to take part in. We got our sleeper stash of the week. We'll get to that here in a little bit as well. And we're starting our 2023 rookie report card series where we try to take a little bit of an in-depth look at this incoming class. We're going to cover as many of those guys as we can before the NFL draft. So we better start early, but first we better hit this. The Startup. Okay, so the startup this week is going to end up being uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't know how, you know, we kind of sidestepped the whole Ravens-Bengals game. Great win, of course, for Cincinnati. We don't want to overlook them. But there there was like an underlining issue with with this Baltimore offense over the last couple months, really. And it's it's Lamar Jackson. And I, I wrote down here the Lamar Jackson saga, and it really feels, guys, like it's just starting to begin, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been building slowly, really for over a year. That um, he he came into the twenty twenty two season without a new contract. Uh, you know, cut off negotiations once the season started, and, and we even heard some talk from um, from some in the media suggesting. Maybe he doesn't run as much because he wants to protect his body and, and uh, um, you know, ensure he gets that big payday. And ultimately, it, that did not go his way because we did see him get hurt once again. And that, that injury seemed to really fast forward the drama because what looked like a two- or three-week injury has now stretched out to, uh, I believe, six or seven weeks since he's been gone. Um He's ruling himself out rather than uh, letting the team or, or the team doctors do that. And, and then obviously the, the big story that came at, at the beginning of that game was that he was not in attendance. He, he did not travel with the team. Um, it, it's going to be a, a drama-filled yeah, offseason. You know, there's so many ways to look at this, really. I, I know he got those headlines for not making the trip, but the truth is he wasn't going to road games while he was injured. So – I'm not sure that we should we should overanalyze what happened there. There are things that are worth analyzing, though, Matt, and that starts with the things that he has, he said online. He like Ryan said there, he announced he wasn't going to be able to play, 
And that raised questions. And then on Monday, after Baltimore loses that game 24-17 to to Cincinnati, one that at least I think if Lamar Jackson is playing, I think the Ravens win that game. I, I really do think if the Ravens have Lamar Jackson for the last five weeks, they probably get that game at home instead. They, they, they were a better team at the time that, that Jackson got hurt than, than the Bengals. So those are a lot of ifs and what ifs and all those things. But now on Monday, uh, there's an Instagram post from Jackson. It, it says, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. Man, that speaks volumes, man. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it really does. And his argument about wanting to be paid, you know, more than Deshaun Watson, it's hard to poke right. holes in that. You know, he has been, you know, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of the Sean Watson and all the grossness surrounding that, but like he's been uh, a, a much better employee, a much better human being. He's been more productive than Watson on the field. Like, like, like it's hard to fight against his narrative and that. And when he doesn't have an agent, you know, uh, talking to him about that kind of stuff. Like, it seems like he's going to dig his heels in and this is going to be what it is. So I really think that they're going to get something done with him. Uh, if they don't, I mean, I, like, I mean, I don't, I, I really don't know how you, how you let a guy like Lamar Jackson go. I know I have a lot of personal bias here, but like uh, Greg Roman, the, the offensive coordinator, like if they've, not that this would necessarily be the exact situation, but if they were to choose Greg Roman and keep Greg Roman and let Lamar Jackson walk, like that seems like the, the really the wrong way to go with this scenario. You don't get a quarterback like Lamar Jackson almost ever. Uh, like I, I just, I just think they should pay him if they can make the money work. They should pay him and what he wants. You uh, bring, you bring up a good you know. point there, because really there are so many layers to this. There is the Deshaun Watson factor, and I probably think that the Ravens would say to Lamar, those those knobs over there in Cleveland don't know what they're doing. We're not going to do that. <laughs> You're right. You know that that's not that's not part of our business model, and we can't afford afford or do that. Um, and Jackson, of course, is going to say, well, the market's been set. You, you know what it is. Let's get this done. Now the Ravens can use the franchise tag and bring him back. And, you know, obviously Lamar has to agree to that. And, and reportedly that's $45 million, but we've been down this road with quarterbacks in the past where once they get franchise tag and they get that guaranteed money every single year, that second year gets very expensive, Ryan. And that quarterback is not going to accept ex- accept less than that at that point. So it becomes a situation where where the player has all the power and the team can no longer afford to franchise tag this quarterback anymore. And they're forced into the market to get the guaranteed money from somebody else. Yeah, I think right now the Ravens are are in the power position. They do hold that franchise tag option, you know, almost over Lamar's head. But I mean, we're, we're seeing some major dysfunction here, right? Obviously uh, with Lamar Jackson, JK Dobbins had some comments as well, uh, following the game, essentially saying if we had Lamar, we would have won the game, which Dan, you, you already suggested that yourself. So, um, you know, that's, that's a little bit of a shot at Tyler Huntley. That's a shot at Greg Roman. Um, there's just overall 
uh, frustration and, and disharmony in uh, in Baltimore. I'm, I totally agree with Matt. They they should certainly pay Lamar Jackson. You look at so many teams, including teams around the league, that looked like they could have been contenders if they just had a quarterback. They had a strong defense. They've got some some playmakers on offense, or they have a strong O line. They just they just don't have a quarterback. And when you when you do find one, you've got to keep him around. But we may it, we may be past that point. Mm, it may I be really too do late think already. that. Baltimore Baltimore's looking at this as 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 a situation where he's got hurt multiple for multiple games, big stretches of the end of the season, late yep. in the season when they needed him on back-to-back seasons and they are now leery of this quarterback that not only runs and takes hits because of that and we all know that Lamar gets down and all those things, but he holds the ball more than any quarterback in the league. That that opens him up to bigger hits and more and getting hit more often. And these, these injuries are directly because of that, because he holds onto the ball. And that playing style is not one that lasts 15 years in the NFL. It never has. So they, maybe that's why, why maybe that's because they have no wide receivers for them to throw the ball to. I mean, it's Demarcus Robinson out there as the wide receiver one. Like what, like what, none of these guys are getting open except for, except for Mark Andrews. And even that's been a little bit of a, a tough stretch this season. Uh, that injury that he suffered this year, it was in the pocket. I think you were right. He probably was holding the ball too long there. Uh, but I just, and I know you're not saying that, but I just don't think the rushing part is, 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 is a, is a is, is I think it's directly that. correlated to how long he holds on to the ball. And he does that because he's an athlete and he feels like he can make a play at any moment, which I don't blame him. If I had those skills, I'd do the same thing. But I, I do, <laughs> I really do think the Ravens see that as a longevity issue for Lamar. And they may look at him as a two to three year option, not a five or six or eight or 10 year option from this point on. And that is affecting this negotiation Baltimore reportedly offered significantly less than than what Watson got from the Browns. So I think there's a big void to fill here, and there's hard feelings at this point. We all know how that how that kind of shakes out um, over time if if they're not mended quickly. So hopefully there's some some uh, some talks between Jackson and the team, and they're able to find some common ground not only on the contract but also how he's used and how he's perceived. Uh, among their fan base and inside that building, because I think there really are some hard feelings. Uh, let's. Uh, this is a fun topic and one that we'll touch on again this off season for sure, because there will be news. But we need to move on. Sleeper stash of the week. Yeah, let's hit the sleeper stash of the week, where we take a look at a player outside our top two hundred and eighty p that we think you might consider for a roster spot right now so ryan who do you got for your sleeper stash of the week yeah looking at our brand new january dynasty adp uh jerome ford the browns rookie running back is 203 so just outside that top 200 uh didn't do much this year did play in 12 games only uh ended up with eight carries for 12 yards uh, but you look at the players in front of him, both Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson are uh, free agents. Uh, it seems like Hunt is a lock to move on and, and find a new situation. Uh, so some opportunity for Jerome Ford. He's probably a guy that's on your dynasty waiver wire. And, and if those waiver 
if, if the waiver wire is open, go ahead and grab him, stash him now, and see how that So Jerome Ford is out. your stash of the week, brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest-growing fantasy football platform in the world. Don't download their app, join a new Dynasty League, or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all of your leagues in one place. Stretch it. Oh, man. I, I love this one. We, we finally are in the quote-unquote off-season, so we can talk strategy. We don't have to talk about everything that's happening on the field, and we thought we'd kick it off a little bit early, I guess, this year and talk about some lessons we learned from the 2022 Dynasty season. So, so really the things that happened in 2022 – that are going to change the way we're going to play Dynasty moving forward. We all picked a topic, so let's get right into it, Matt. What do you end up going with? Yeah, I kind of uh, wanted to do Ryan's, but he beat me to the punch as, as usual. So I came up with a little bit of a different one. <laughs> I went with uh, uh, that selling the consensus running back one is going to always be profitable. And I like to do this specifically in a way of tearing down, especially if I'm a contender, because you don't want to lose all of your running back production. However, early in the off season, we know that running backs uh, are, are have a propensity to get injured more than other positions. And just holding these guys through an entire off season and through those uh, early parts of the, uh, of the season is, is often a losing bet. Um, now, Jonathan Taylor, he didn't get hurt in the offseason last year. He was He's still the consensus running back one, I believe, in dynasty rankings, despite a little bit of a down season. Um, and is not as valuable as he used to be, at least on the trade market, um, I, would, I would guess. But just as an example, I, I think I brought this up once before, but using Jonathan Taylor to tear down to another running back, I think in this case it was Najee Harris, but then also picking up a guy like A.J. Brown on top of that, and then using Najee Harris to go trade him for a first-round pick. Using these running back ones uh, that, that often don't repeat as the running back one overall, um, I, I have found, especially this season, have been a profitable way to not only add depth, but also important pieces like draft picks and young wide receivers. Um, when you settle just a little bit, bit for a little bit less exciting player uh and then pick up those sides that's especially effective at the running back position matt I, I think it's a good lesson and you mentioned taylor's name yeah he's still up there we all see him as a guy that we want to put in our running back one slot every single week when he when he's healthy but he has lost value we gotta we gotta face facts here and there are already dynasty managers that prefer Brees hall even prefer kenneth walker i was looking at the most recent adp that you collected ryan and Walker went over Jonathan Taylor in a draft. Uh, Brees Hall was right, right with Jonathan Taylor in another one, just a just a pick or two behind. So, um, not everybody's call, calling Taylor the consensus at this point. And if you were to sell him last year, obviously it matters who you went down to. But that most likely would have worked out in your favor. Yeah, this this kind of reminded me that this is uh, this is a strategy that Matt has employed before. Um, I remember this discussion just a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't believe it was on the air, maybe before or after one of our shows. But Matt, you were talking about a trade that you made around this time last year, where you traded Jonathan Taylor and you got, uh, you know, I think it was McCaffrey and AJ Brown yeah. or something like that, which just sounded wild that that you were able to pull that trade off. Um, so I, I definitely like the idea. Um, I think Dan kind of hit on, uh, one of the problems with, with the strategy is that 
there's not that overwhelming RB1 right now. So it, it, it's probably a little more difficult to do uh, at this moment. But that makes me think if we get to, you know, if we get to February, which is when we'll have those rookies in our ADP at, at DLF and when you'll see more and more dynasty startups uh, kicking off, if Bijan Robinson does become the consensus RB1 as, as is kind of the expectation at this point, would you be pulling off the same same type moves with him? If you've got Bijan Robinson on your roster, whether it's a Devi League or you have the 101, are you trading down to Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker and picking up some extra pieces? I think it's a smart move, and it's not exactly the same scenario, but I can I can add a little bit more context right. to, to, to this. I, I have one auction league where it's a complete stripped-down rebuild. I have like eight of the 12 picks. I have uh, twice the auction rookie auction money of the next team down uh and it's going to be a question mark do i probably have to sp- have to spend everything that the the next person has i think i have like 2100 and the next person has like a thousand or something like that do i do i spend a thousand dollars half of my budget on on Bijan robinson or do i let him have him and, and try to push him up towards the limits of his budget and then just grab the rest of the class so uh i think that's going to be a struggle for people this year especially in those rookie auctions do they just empty the vault for a guy like Bijan, or do they pick up a bunch of other pieces and i think as valuable as he's going to be and we're going to talk about specifics with him a little bit later here uh but like especially if you are a team that is multiple pieces away like if you if you can pick up th- two or three strong wide receiver prospects, or even uh, a solidified wide receiver one and a couple of prospects, uh, you know, move that forward for several more draft picks. That's going to continue to build up your team as much as we want Bijan Robinson on our team. It's, it seems in those instances, like it's, it's a smart, yeah, move. I think it's a smart move in general, uh, no matter the name and, and maybe dynasty managers get scared off when it's the rookie that we've all been waiting for. Like Bijan is, but it's something worth considering at this point, and really it bleeds into the 101 in drafts uh, for those of us that, are, that aren't that are auctioning these players off, but also drafts. I think, I think yours is a great one, Matt. I love that idea, and it kind of bleeds into mine. And mine isn't really anything I learned this year, but I got, I got confirmation once again. And Ryan, I know this is something that you talk about regularly. Mine's building through wide receiver and not running back. And, you know, the more I looked at it over the last, uh, well, a couple hours, really, while we were while we were getting prepped for the show, the more every every name I looked at among these running backs confirmed that prior that I should have been investing in wide receivers rather than running backs. Top, I went back to August ADP and the top 10 running backs at that point, And these were the guys we going into the season that we wanted on our team as our RB ones. Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris. McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Austin Eckler, Brees Hall, Delvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, and Joe Mixon. Well, Taylor missed seven games and was ineffective for half of the other games. DeAndre Swift missed three and was unstartable for more than half the season, I would say. Javante Williams, of course, missed 13 games. Uh, Brees Hall missed 10. Joe Mixon only missed a couple. Saquon was awesome. Delvin Cook was, was really outside the top 24 in half the Vikings games. The point is... Five of the top 10 running backs were busts, really, comparatively to their ADP in August. And really, 10 of the top 20. You got Alvin Kamara, who was a disappointment, and Cam Akers, who was a train wreck outside of those couple games. Dobbins was hurt, and and Fournette took a big step back. A.J. Dillon wasn't very startable. 
Um, Antonio Gibson certainly wasn't getting done. Elijah Mitchell, he couldn't stay on the field either. So 10 of those 20 weren't really all that productive or useful, whether it be from injury or another reason. So, you know, or actually, it's 12 out of the 24 running backs didn't get it done in 2022, and four of the top eight. So half of the running backs busted, at least at some level. Meanwhile, the top wide receivers, for the most part, they were great, right? Sure, Cooper Cup got hurt, but he was the wide receiver one until he got that injury. Debo missed our postseason Pittman and DJ Moore, they both suffered from poor quarterback play, and Elijah Moore took a step back. Bateman got hurt also. Um, so, And all that's true about those wide receivers. But it's only six of the top 24 that you could say busted. And I'd, I'd argue that Cup's bust is, is pretty rough to call him a bust for the season. That, that injury's rough. So, you know, even if you, even if you look at rookie drafts, Brees Hall and Damian Pierce both suffered injuries. Right? Those were guys that we were counting on. And yeah, Pierce lasted longer, but whatever. James Cook, Rashad White, Isaiah Spiller, Zamir White, uh, TDP, they, they weren't really factors for any of us. That leaves Kenneth Walker, Tyler Algier, and maybe Brian Robinson as the contributors. Meanwhile, we're talking about this wide receiver class as the next big thing. And guys that we're considering in the first round of startups, we got all these guys. It, the point is... Running back shelf life is short. The shortest of any of the positions that we care about for Dynasty. Meanwhile, wide receiver shelf life is extremely long. We're talking about maybe even a dozen years of production from these guys. So any, the truth is that any running back that didn't help you win a title this year, you likely used up 20, 25% of his valuable seasons. So unless you're a contender, you should not be investing in these running backs. You should be not only selling the RB1 overall, as Matt was saying, but maybe all the RB1s for future assets and wide receivers that can help you get, get, you, get you to becoming that contender. Invest in wide receivers, not running backs. Dan, I, Dan, I wonder if uh, we, we talk uh, a lot on this show about like maybe we treat the running back um, as like as like a redraft position, mm-hmm. like we we treat them year to year. Maybe we go even farther and treat it like a, a half or three quarters kind of kind of <laughs> of the current season, where once we see four four games, five games, six games of these guys, and we know which running backs have claimed roles, have remained healthy at least through the early part of the season. That's when we ta- we we move on these on these strong contenders and try to get, and pick up a running back. And obviously, you're going to pay more than you would in the off season. Um, but like, you know, picking up, uh, Dalvin cook, just as an example. Now he didn't really work out, but like, you know, if you didn't have him on your roster, you didn't really have a running back, but you're strong everywhere else. And, and you, you went and grabbed that stud running back down the stretch, whether it was McCaffrey after the trade, whatever it was, uh, you know, that's, that's when you strike with those running backs and you see if you can get, you know, to the point where you're going, where you're almost a locked in playoff team. And then you strike and grab those running backs. I think that, that, that might be a good way to go. Now leagues that award points or award prizes for things like total points at the end of the season, maybe weekly high points, things like that. It's probably not going to work out as well in those kinds of leagues, but where you're only playing for that title, maybe we need to even restrict when we go and pay for these running backs uh, to not just the season, uh, not just a week or two before the season starts, but we wait until the season is, is rolling to see which one of these guys. I, re- I really like that. I think there are a whole bunch of lessons inside of this. There's, there's the when week 10 hits and you lose Brees Hall, 
and you're truly a contender, you should pivot to another one because Brees Hall's just as likely to be injured again next year as the next guy. So if you can pivot over to yep. the hot name then, maybe it was Travis Etienne. Maybe you could make a move for McCaffrey. It's worth it because you're a contender now and you need the running back to, to put the points up for you every single week. I, I really just think that we continue to learn this lesson and Ryan, we continue to see dynasty managers over invest in running backs and then move up and down their dynasty standings in two and three year segments because they don't have the stability that wide receivers offer. Well, yeah, I mean, just like the NFL, this is a cyclical thing, right? And what what's really happening that is causing everything you explain there and, and there's injuries and um, and all of those things factor in. But to me, the the prime uh, cause here is that that 2017 rookie class changed everything when it comes to the running back position because that gave us Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, and probably oh probably a couple other guys I'm forgetting in there. Um <laughs> So those players, at least most of those players, have given us a strong six years of production. And that's more than we should expect, honestly. But each of those guys are starting to slow down. Uh, Their production is dipping. Their value is plummeting. And all of those running backs that we were able to chase and rely on for the past six years, uh, uh, that landscape is totally changing. And every year we see elite prospects coming in to uh, elite wide receiver prospects coming into the NFL. And I mean, it's, it's simple math. There's just more good wide receivers than there are good running. And and that's a good point. Um, That's a good point too, Ryan. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but there are more wide receivers coming in and there still is a limited amount of wide receivers that can be super productive for dynasty managers. Every team can only really, really handle two guys, right? So their shelf life is going to drop if this continues. If we continue to see six, eight, ten very, very good NFL caliber running or wide receivers in every class, there's not enough spaces for all of these guys to remain productive every single year. So therefore the shelf life has to drop or we have to get less of those kind of guys. Um, so it is going to happen, and it is happening in a cycle. It's going to move over to the wide receiver position, but the truth is it's already here at the running back position, and that is, again, likely to to speed up as well. Did you want to finish your thought there, Ryan, before I abruptly cut you off, or do you want to move on to your uh, <laughs> your lesson you learned? Uh, I. Yeah, I I think I lost it now. But in general, no, that's okay. In general, I I agree with everything you said. Um, And I I try not to chase those cycles. I kind of believe in building around the wide receivers, even when we have those strong periods of of running back uh, usage and and production as we've had the past few years. Um, So sometimes you're going going against the the crowd and, and sometimes the crowd seems to be following you or, uh, or, or your strategy seems to be uh, the, the most popular one, the most prevalent one um, that that's going to change ADP as well. You know, it, it, it's tough to do that, but 
Yeah, I think it's kind of becoming obvious. The injuries, the shelf life, the disappointments at running back. I think we're going to see uh, first round, second rounds filled with wide receivers. For sure. I I got a little long-winded a couple of times already on the show. So, Ryan, we got to get to the rookie report. (laughs) Um, What did you have as your lesson, though? Yeah, I'll I'll try to make mine quick. Uh, I'm starting to think – that we are not valuing elite quarterbacks correctly, uh, specifically in, in one quarterback leagues. And um, this has come from a few different things. One, some conversations with Adam Harstad, our, our buddy, uh, writer for football guys. I'm certainly, you know, one of the smartest guys in the industry. He is of the opinion that specifically Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen should be valued more like first round picks, not, Uh, third round picks which is where they are in our latest ADP Uh, but he's not alone you know I I checked out a couple of other sites uh, keep trade cut which is a uh, a site that collects ADP and does rankings uh, based on user uh, votes essentially crowdsourcing they have uh, Josh Allen as the number five overall player in single quarterback leagues Uh, They have Patrick Mahomes as the seventh overall player. Uh, Another site doing great work is uh, fantasycalc.com. They take trade data and essentially use that trade information to create a set of rankings or a set of values. Mahomes is number three overall there. Josh Allen's number four overall. And again, that's single quarterback leagues. Um, Patrick Mahomes' current ADP at our site, 30 overall Josh Allen 28 overall these guys have set themselves apart you know I mean it it sounds crazy that we even have to say that but uh, Patrick Mahomes was a quarterback one in 16 out of 17 games this year the one he missed he was the quarterback 13 so he was the top 13 quarterback in every uh, every game he played Josh Allen 14 out of 16 was a QB one the elite production from these two and the, and the consistent elite production has just pushed them up higher and higher in my rankings. I don't quite have them in that first round range as, as Adam does. And, and as a couple of the other sites that I mentioned does, but uh, they're certainly second rounders and, and they're, they're moving up for me a a two and a half point gap per game in fantasy production between Mahomes and Allen and every other quarterback, except, uh, except Jalen hurts. He was the, uh, the, the outlier this year with uh, with an awesome year, but these are the two that we've seen consistently put up that production, and and there's others that could do it. You know, Lamar Jackson Jackson has done it before, but he's had those injuries that we've talked about. We're starting to see Burrow or, or maybe Fields or Lawrence do it, but not on that consistent basis the past four seasons uh, and five seasons in Mahomes' case. Yeah, you know, I look at this ADP and I just see those names, the Fields and the Kylers and Dak and Lawrence even, and and you can feel that difference, Matt. You can feel the difference between these guys and the steady production of those two guys at the top, Allen and Mahomes. Yeah, and the only other thing I was going to add was I know this is more focusing on on one quarterback because we already value quarterbacks highly in Superflex. Um, 
um, leagues. But I do think also uh, to piggyback on that, if we want to want to talk about the Superflex component, then I really think that acquiring two of those top seven to eight guys is a recipe for having a true dynasty in these super flex leagues. We talked about how wide receivers last so much longer than running backs. Quarterback backs last even longer in most cases than wide receivers do, uh, especially those elite ones. So uh, I want to focus on grabbing two of those guys in every startup that I do this year, and I'll figure out the rest of the pieces uh, as I go. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, we were going to try to save some time to talk about some big names, but uh, we got... We got a little long-winded. That's all right. Strat Chat is an important <laughs> one to do, and we'll do it regularly throughout the offseason for sure. We also had that news on Lamar, which is important to get through as well. So let's get through some of these rookies, and we're going to start at the top right away, Matt. It's B. John Robinson. Everybody knows the name. We've been talking about him for months, of course, as well. But the running back that that is going to shoot up ADP as soon as he's available is a like a lifetime once in a you don't want to say once in a lifetime but one of those guys that can uh can really change the way your dynasty fortunes have been yeah i mean we don't have to have a long conversation here i don't think i think he's the best prospect we've had since saquon barkley he's probably going to open up as the running back one overall uh similar to how saquon uh, ended up as a first i believe a, a early first rounder at his rookie season before um, we really even started getting into startup drafts um but uh you know incredible vision with the combined with the patience to let hell holes develop and he sets up the second level defenders by like kind of flashing in 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 some holes uh and and, and then kind of getting over to the second one after moving that defense over um, he makes those defenders miss in confined spaces the elusivity and lateral agility is just especially in those small spaces phone book quicks whatever you want to call it, is just crazy like uh, the, the the contact balance that he shows while bouncing off defenders and just continuing upfield uh, he he knows whether he can run through a, a defensive back a smaller player and he does that often uh, it has the awareness to know when he can run through them and when he has to run around them or make them juke and then the passing game like he's a weapon in the passing game he can run all the routes he already passed blocks well so the combination of those two things are going to put him in the three down back conversation immediately um for whatever team ends up with him. Uh, the only weakness I came up with, Dan, and it's such a small one, is that I, I, I feel like he does run uh, kind of upright sometimes, especially uh, between the tackles, which can even open to those big hits. But otherwise, like he's almost a flawless pr- uh, prospect at the running back Yeah, that skill set is so impressive. You mentioned everything that, that really matters. But that vision, patience, and then power to go along with that speed – it's rare to see these kind of guys, and he belongs in the in the one hundred and one uh, spot in in single single quarterback leagues, and he, I think he's part of the conversation in superflex too, Ryan. I think he is too. Yeah, I think I think the conversation starts with him in superflex, honestly, um, and and we'll talk about all these quarterbacks, including one today, I believe, but. Uh, even in a super flex league, if I have the 101, uh, I'm taking Bijan Robinson. Really, the only uh, the only piece of information we don't have here is which team is he going to play for. It, it does seem like there's um, there are enough strong prospects at the top of the draft that he's probably not going to be a top 10 pick. Um, looking at some consensus mock draft data, he's the 12th ranked prospect. Uh, prospect right now i've seen him falling to the later part of the first round which 
you know, for us as, as dynasty players is good news. We see uh, the, the chiefs down there. We see the Eagles down there with, with those late first round picks uh, along with a few other teams who could use a running back and uh, you know, just imagine this guy on, on one of these offenses that's already the best in the league. Um, we've had the conversations with, with guys like Barkley before we don't even need to compare Bijan Robinson to the other rookies in this class. He's already in the range where we need to compare him overall to the other players that are already here. Is he the RB one in dynasty? I think he is. Uh, if, if you want to rank him right now, if you want to wait until ADP is there, you know, it's kind of a formality. I think he's the top running back. Yeah. I'd uh, agree with that right as now. well. Although I'm, I'm not willing to push him all the way up ADP to the, to the top few spots. Like some people are talking about already. It, it, he's a late first round pick though in, in startups, if you're involved in this rookie class already, and that's without knowing the landing spot, even it, the truth is, even if he lands with one of those teams that we don't see as, like ideal spots because of the offense or the offensive line. He is the kind of player that can transform that offense. And suddenly that offensive line looks a lot better when Bijan Robinson is breaking tackles. Let's move on to our second guy. And we're going to go out wide. One of my favorite prospects in this class. It's Rashi Rice out of SMU. And a lot of you out there might not know the name. In fact, I didn't know the name a month ago. He's, he's relatively new to me as well, but I saw somebody's ranking on him and thought, I got to go watch him. Man, Matt, I love this guy in contested catches. I love his ability to go up and get it. It's one of my favorite things about a a dynasty wide receiver, a guy that high points the football, uh, goes goes and gets it even though he's covered. And Rashi Rice has a highlight film just full of those kind of catches. Yeah, but that's. I'm glad you like those kind of catches because it seems like that's all he has. Uh, I, I think. I mean, I, 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 in our text thread, I, I threw some shade on him a little bit, and don't get me wrong, he's kind. Of, he's a, he's a nice prospect, especially from a day two perspective. Um, my my positives for him is that uh, he's got a really nice release release package where he uses both footwork and upper body moves. Uh, and he's obviously very th- physical, uh, enthusiastic blocker in the run game, and coaches are going to lo- love that. But those catches, the, I, I just feel like he's not going to separate too much with routes. Um, he does run routes okay. I have a little bit of issues with his stemming sometimes. Um, but he's somebody who's going to win vertically, I think, and not on the ground. Uh, so uh, the body control is fantastic. The adjustments to the ball with bad quarterback throws, we saw those all over the place in some of the games that I watch. Um, I would argue that his hands are – you know, average mm-hmm. at best. He's, he's the kind of that player that makes the tough catch make look easy. And then he c- drops the easy one. He had over nine drops this season to over 10% drop rate. Um, I'd also say the acceleration after the catch, especially if he's contacted on those, on those contested catches is a little bit questionable, but he was 13th in the country and missed tackles forced. Um, I see him as a boundary possession wide receiver with some playmaking ability and a ceiling in terms of NFL uh, teams, like a wide receiver three on an NFL with a chance to be a two, depending on the team. Yeah, I don't think we're that far off, honestly. I, I love the acceleration and the, the speed after the catch. And, you know, he showed multiple times that he was the best athlete on the field. And I know he, he played a little bit of a lesser competition, but 
He was a senior, and he stepped up. Of course, we know Danny Gray was there last year or in 2021. Uh, he took over as that number one receiver and really went and got it, I thought. He, he's impressive. He's so big. He's 6'3". He's over 200 pounds for sure. I think he's listed at 215. And um, you mentioned the, the, the route tree and that maybe he he isn't quite as refined as a route runner. And I agree with that completely. He wasn't exactly asked to do a lot more than run the goal, run the cross, and you know, yeah. uh, run the fade when you're down there by the goal line. Uh, again, I really like the ability to go get it, and I see him as a wide receiver too on an NFL team. But uh, you know, if that gets you day two draft capital, which is probably what most expect at this point, unless he does something crazy at the Senior Bowl or really lights up the combine, um, we're that translates into round two draft capital in the. In, in rookie drafts, Ryan. And that's that's what's so appealing for Rice, for me, is that we're not going to have to invest that first-round rookie pick in him, and we might get like a Mike Williams-type player, potentially, if he f- hits all the, the thresholds and, and really everything works for him. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a lock for day two. Uh, to be a day two pick and, and potentially a round two pick. You look at some of the mock drafts around the industry and we're still certainly and, and obviously early in that process. He's shown up as a late first rounder, even in a few of those. I think round two is, is ultimately where he lands and that's where he's probably going to land in those rookie drafts as well. We'll have some rookie uh, rookie draft ADP in the coming weeks for you. But for now, looking at our, our rookie rankings, which are already out over at DLF, 19 overall, wide receiver eight. And to me, it feels like those top four wide receivers are, are pretty locked in right now. And, and we'll get to all those guys in the coming weeks. But after that, it's it's wide open. So some room to grow for Rasheed Rice or or really anybody in that uh, that kind of five to ten wide receiver range. Someone's going to step up and and uh, earn themselves a first round. Yeah, and maybe uh, even a first round pick. NFL draft pick if if somebody does do that at the Senior Bowl or or makes a big splash or, or teams really fall in love with them at meetings at the combine. We're really early in this, and we wanted to spread this thing out across a few positions. Rashi Rice was a guy that I spent a lot of time watching over the last week and a half or two weeks, so I really, I really pushed him up the board to be able to talk about him early. If you're a dynasty player and you're already thinking about 2023 rookie drafts, go put on just a highlight reel and see what me and Matt are talking about here, what Ryan means when, when, when we say he's going to be a second-round pick and a guy that we're going to want to know something about. I, I'm fascinated at what kind of team uh, goes and gets Rashi Rice in the draft. The last guy we want to talk about. I said I picked Rashi Rice. We're going to give Matt. You, you picked Bijan Robinson because you always take the easy way out. Uh, Ryan, you went with Will Levis uh, this week, and that's all bull. I'm just k- kidding on that. Will Levis, your your buddy from uh, Kentucky, um, court, by way of Penn State, of course. Man, I, you know, I didn't. I don't watch a lot of SEC football during the season, but I really like Will Levis and everything he has to offer. Ryan, you watched him every single week. What's your take on on Levis as an NFL prospect? 
uh, it, it's all good for me. And, and I, yeah, I'm a little biased here as well. I, I think the past two years, we've kind of seen both sides of, of Will Levis's game and 2022 was, was not good as a Kentucky fan. Uh, Will Levis had, uh, an, an injury that cost him, I believe he only missed one game, but was certainly hampered through much of the season. Uh, the offensive line, it took a major hit from the previous season. They they lost Wondell Robinson and a couple other receivers as well. Um, so it was, it was kind of everything going against Will Levis in, in 2022. And, and I think that's why we're hearing a lot of negative comments about him as both an NFL draft prospect and um, and as a fantasy option as well. You know, he, he seems to be locked in as that quarterback three, but we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out. From again, from a biased Kentucky fan, everything we hear and uh, we hear locally about this kid is is it's a glowing report. And if you like what you see on the field, you're going to love this player. After you talk to him, I think he's going to kill the interviews at the combine. I think he's going to wow teams uh, once he once he gets in the room with them. And uh, yeah, I, I'm believing and, and trusting that that top ten. Uh, NFL draft ideal size incredible arm strength Matt if you're looking for a pocket passer that understands understands how to how to manipulate a defense a little bit coming out of college already and has a rocket for a right arm Will Levis might be your guy yeah, I'm going to be on the other side on, <laughs> again on this one. Um, I, I mean, I, I like his athleticism. Um, I, I want to save this for the end because I want to talk to Ryan or, and, and you, whoever has watched college football this season. But the negative 107 yards rushing on 72 attempts, negative one and a half per attempt, I want to talk about that because considering how athletic it is, that seems seems insane to me. Um, but you mentioned his ability to manipulate the defense. I feel like he manipulates himself into making bad decisions by staring down receivers like all the time. I can't tell you how many plays I watch where he's locked onto that first read and they're, and they're another receiver, maybe two receivers running wide open in the middle of the field for touchdowns. I'm thinking against, I think it was the Florida game specifically that I watched. Um, so I think he's going to be a high volatility traits based prospect. That deep fall, like you mentioned, is insane. It's effortless. It's like a, a flick of the wrist and it travels 60 yards downfield. Um, he can rocket the ball into the tight, tight windows. Uh, sometimes I think that's to his detriment because he maybe trusts his arm a little bit more than he should. Um, the offensive line was absolutely terrible this year. There were pl- free rushers yeah. coming in when they only need to block four. So I feel like we haven't really got uh, a good sense of how he could do behind a good offensive line. At least I haven't yet. Uh, and then I guess to go along with the staring down receivers, uh, the int- and just inconsistent with the progressions, which is something I really want to see. But his accuracy was was okay. Um, it just seems like that staring down receiver thing really bothered me. And then I want you guys to, to let me know about this negative 107 rushing yards. Cause well, in college, rush, sacks count as negative rushing yards. So that, that – yeah. And sure. you said it. That offensive line was awful. And he took so many big hits. It's the reason he suffered that injury that Ryan's talking about. It's the reason that he didn't put up the same kind of numbers as he did the year before. And he had good weapons again in 2022 like he did in 2021 when Wandale was there. But he didn't have time to get these guys the ball. They couldn't They couldn't develop their route down the field. And they, they were forced to throw balls underneath. But you mentioned staring down receivers, and I get that. That that's something. You also mentioned counting on his arm. You know that that 
elite arm strength to rip it in there between a safety and a corner. And that got him in trouble at times. But some of the highlight throws were eye-popping, where he stuck it in there. And it's right on the guy. And I I saw a highlight film. I I started with a highlight film. And the third play of the highlight was a drop touchdown pass. But the throw was so impressive that whoever made this highlight film thought, we got to put this in there. That's, you know, that's the kind of plays he offers. Now, you can call him a gunslinger. You can call him uh, the, the type of quarterback that's going to, like, like play like a linebacker sometime. He tries to truck uh, defenders when he's out there running, and he, he leaps, leaps and hurdles. hurdles. He does that Josh Allen stuff. Like Josh um, Allen. And speaking of Josh Allen, that release is a lot like Josh Allen on that deep ball. And sometimes, like Josh Allen, he'll throw a laser instead of the pop-up ball that the guy can run underneath. So there are things. But if you're buying Will Levis, if you believe in Will Levis, Ryan, you believe in him because he has all those traits. He has the arm. He has the moxie. He has that ability to make plays with his legs, throw on the run. Off-balance throws are not a problem for Will Levis from from an arm strength uh, perspective or from an accuracy perspective accuracy perspective i see a lot of people um talking down on levis's upside because of accuracy and i've just seen too many throws from him now where he sticks it right on the guy to to believe that he is not improving in that light i I really do think he is going to be a a better pro than he was even at kentucky and i think he's the kind of guy that because he has enough athleticism to make plays outside the pocket he fits into this this group of playmakers outside the pocket just enough to be a dynasty uh dynamo a guy that can not only offer that that big play with his arm but offers you that floor and can make up for any mistakes that he makes from a fantasy perspective with his legs both both from a yards perspective and then as well as scoring touchdowns around the goal line he's finding that goal line he's so competitive and that's what I love about Will Levis. Yeah, and as far as the rushing goes, Matt, yeah, you, you kind of hit on it yourself. It was the offensive line combined with that injury. Uh, he ran the ball 35 times more last year than he did this season because of those uh, those reasons. I don't want to be a total uh, apologist here and, and, and make excuses, but that's that's just kind of the reality of their season. They also lost their offensive coordinator who went to the Rams. Uh, he's now back uh, after uh, after Kentucky fired their 2022 offensive coordinator before uh, the season was even complete. So uh, just, just lots of negatives. I would encourage you, Matt, I don't know if you have, but I would encourage anybody to watch 2021 games on Will Levis before you kind of make your final decision on, on what you expect from him. Um, I mean, he, he is my quarterback three. He seems to be the quarterback three for most people, whether you're talking fantasy or NFL draft, but I think he's the most pro ready uh, quarterback in the class. Uh, I don't think you're going to hear any kind of talk of he's a project. He needs to sit. I think he can start day one for whichever team drafts him and I don't know if we could necessarily say that about about the other two top quarterbacks in the in the draft. Yeah, I I, I guess I need to go watch more because I'm I'm definitely not seeing that level. To me, like what the last note I had was that he needs time to learn the game and needs the those poor decision making that he has shown at times to be kind of coached out of him. Um, 
So uh, I agree with that part. Yeah. I do agree with that. So, yeah. so I don't know. I think I think it's going to be that case where like is is there a coach that's going to take him on and be patient with him and be able to develop all of those traits that he has because those that stuff is undeniable. Uh, it's just the little things that he needs a, a lot of work on. So I'd like to see him sit for a little bit, but if he goes high in the high in the class, uh, we know that that rarely happens. So we'll see. It seems like all we've heard about the last few weeks are the turnovers by Josh yeah. Allen and. You know, I, I would not say that he's the next Josh Allen. That's that's a high bar to set for any player. But um, if you're making enough plays, those turnovers. I, are when I be watched forgiving. him, I thought of a of a handful of players actually, as far as player comps. It, the first guy that I thought of honestly was Daniel Jones, and that doesn't sound great, right? Because Jones has been a little bit of a disappointment for us as dynasty players. But if Daniel Jones, with that athleticism and those traits that he came out with, Went sixth overall to the Giants. Will Levis is a lock for to be a top ten pick in the draft, just based on traits alone. You know, you continue to to think about quarterbacks that he remind. He's got a little bit of Justin Herbert to him. Um, you know, you mentioned Josh Allen. It's, yeah. It might be a little bit more Herbert coming out of Oregon and 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 his movement skills and the the ball placement and arm strength that Herbert has. I think that's similar to what we see out of Levis. Yeah, Herbert is my comp for him because I, I think, uh, although he doesn't show it uh, often necessarily, Herbert can run the ball. He can he can break out of the pocket and run when he needs to, and I think that's what we're going to see from Levis. That's what we saw in 2021. He's not going to run the ball as much as Josh Allen or, or some of these other quarterbacks, but when he needs to, when he gets chased, uh, he can – he's athletic enough to do something with it. And uh, again, that's what we saw in 2021. That's what I expect. He's going in the top we'll 10 see in the NFL. He's going to be a guy that is, is high in dynasty ADP and super flex leagues. I think people are going to be excited about, it. there's a lot of teams that need, need a quarterback, need a franchise guy in that four to 10 range. And that's where we're going to hear Will Levis's name for sure. As far as I'm concerned. So, uh, we went a little bit over time, but we had to get those three rookies in. We're going to do this every week until the NFL draft. Uh, lots of things to cover this offseason. We'll be with you all the way through the postseason as well. Looking forward to all those conversations as we move along. So follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Get Matt at Matt Price FF. I'm at DMiler22, and you can get the pod at DLF Podcast. Uh, we want to say thank you to everybody who listened in this week. And we'll catch you again after the divisional round. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.